Is the podcast that talks about all of the things that you hate to love and love to hate in your favorite made-for-TV romances. The kind brought to you by Hallmark, Lifetime, and pretty much any other channel you can think of. Yeah, they all do it now, don't they? Yes. Mm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so today is sort of special for us. Not that it's really any different from any of the other ones we do or watch or anything mm-hmm. like that but we did approach this movie slightly differently because today we're going to be talking about Rome in love yes. and the reason we are doing this a little differently is we watched this movie a little differently because we got together with a few other people who personally know Peter Porte the star of this movie to watch this movie all together yeah. which just was super fun and <laughs> you know it, it's funny getting the inside scoop on certain things while happening and being like oh yeah this is what this was like while watching the movie you know yeah it's funny it was really fun yeah. it was really cute <laughs> um so yeah let's Oh, and I just want to clarify. Well, you know, you've seen the title of this episode, but every time I say Roman love, I want to say it's like, it's not Roman love, it's Rome in love. Right. But it sounds like Roman love, which is like, sounds like a Trojan thing, even though Troy was in Greece, but. (laughs) I I actually feel like Roman love, Roman as a name, Roman love would be either a spy or detective movie where it's like detective love Roman love (laughs) (laughs) or it would be something like a high school chick flick where the hot guy is Roman love oh I don't know why but that sort of feels right to me possibly we did have a male protagonist well antagonist eventually named Roman in one of our episodes yeah we did whatever let's do it all right, so Hallmark's little blurb about this movie uh, is the following. <laughs> uh, when an unknown actress lands the role of a lifetime in Rome. Wait, that doesn't read right. Well, you copy and pasted it. I did it's copy and paste it. It's not your fault. <laughs> Bracket, sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the first... It should just be, an unknown actress lands the role of a lifetime in Rome. I fixed it. (laughs) (laughs) Paired with an American journalist writing a profile, she will discover surprises about love and life in the Eternal City. And it stars Italia Ricci and Peter Porte. And, also, it's based on a book. Yes. By Anita Hughes, if anybody cares. We decided the book sounded a little bit more interesting than the movie, but... (laughs) You can look that up if you want. Yeah. So we have Amelia Tate, who is played by Italia Ricci. Uh, She lives with her sister in Bend, Oregon. While she went to school for theater, she has since left that dream behind and only does community theater now. But as luck would have it, there is an open call to find an unknown uh, actress to play the Audrey Hepburn role in the remake of Roman Holiday. 
Amelia's sister, Catherine, is Amelia's number one fan and convinces her to submit an audition tape. And of course, she is the one selected to portray this role. Yes. So Amelia is flown to Rome for the movie. And her identity is being kept a secret until she is revealed to the press at like a press conference thing. Um, But she's there in Rome early to get things like press lessons and photo shoots and learn how to ride Vespas, etc. in order to be ready to be a star and play this role. And all the Italian paparazzi want to know who the mysterious actress is. Uh, So they're like staking out the hotel and paying cab drivers and being like, help me find the actress. Who is this person? (laughs) So Peter Porte plays Philip or Filippo, Philip Hamilton. He's an American writer living in Rome and he's trying to make it in Italy. He tries to, he's, uh, he's trying to pay the bills with travel writing for an English language magazine in Italy, but he really wants to write a novel. He's been stuck for a while though, and the travel writing isn't really cutting it financially. His editor tells him he can write a story on the mystery actress to make some money. While he's not thrilled with the assignment, he takes it out of desperation. Yes. So Philip also works at as a porter at the hotel where Amelia is staying. And they have a little bit of a, I I don't even want to call it a meet cute because I don't feel like it was a meet cute. It was just a straight up, just like meeting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, While he like brings her things up to her room and like pours some champagne for her. And uh, at one point, she locks herself out of the ro- out of her room with her bathtub going, and you know gets called the incompetent American who needs help. And then he approaches the director and is like, "Hey, can I get an exclusive with your actress?" And uh, that's already been set up by the magazine, which is like weird that nobody told them. Um, and so then Amelia finds out that, like, hey, you're going to hang out with your porter person who helped you, and you're a little bit embarrassed about um, yeah. having seen you in, quote-unquote, compromising positions, except they're compromising in that you were wearing a robe. Yeah, I guess so. And, like, did something kind of stupid, but, like, understandably stupid? I don't know. Um, so Amelia is more or less a small-town girl at heart, and she really wants to go sightseeing because she's in Italy, for God's sakes, um, and she's never really traveled. She convinces Philip that they can do their interviews and sightsee at the same time. So they go all over the major Roman landmarks while discussing her previous acting jobs in community theater, etc. Uh, Philip keeps trying to get her to open up about more things like her family, but she is uh, very clearly not falling into that trap. Yes. So Amelia has a Vespa riding lesson and because she and Philip have been talking and sightseeing, uh, she's running late. So he ends up coming with her to like dropping her off there essentially. And then watching some of this Vespa lesson. Um, and she learns how to drive it at maybe the speed of a turtle. Um, and she's like, hey, Philip, get on my Vespa with me. And he's like, okay, are you sure? And then she drives off and they take a little bit of a joy ride on the Vespa. (laughs) 
So that night, with his faithful kitty companion Dante by his side, Philip Googles Amelia and discovers that uh, Amelia's mother died when she was a senior in college. And as we are meant to assume, her father was also already uh, passed along. He already died. Um, she had to move home, not graduate, so she could take care of her younger um, sister. I almost said daughter. So she could move and take care of her youngest um, sister, Catherine, who was at the time 13. When he confronts Amelia about her past, she's still reluctant to share that with the world. Um, Philip explains that if he writes about it, he can help curate the story rather than have people find out via other people and the interwebs. So, yeah, because if he can Google it, so can everybody yeah. else. So this is her chance of telling her story in her on her own terms. Yes. So Amelia agrees to open up to Philip as long as she can read the story before it goes to print. She basically wants, like, final cut. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the two of them spend a lot of time together, and they're hanging out, and they talk, and they, they're becoming friends while sort of kind of working together in the way I guess a journalist profile would work with the actress. I don't know. Um, and he brings her flowers, and they waltz together during her waltzing lessons, and they run into one of the butlers at the hotel that, like, Amelia's friendly with, and they all go to dinner at his house. And they're just enjoying spending time together. Yes. Uh, Philip is also able to write again. Uh, he is filled with inspiration, and he starts writing his novel, and uh, he writes a whole bunch. He's, like, so excited, and he yells it off the rooftops to his landlady. I call her Senora Landlady. <laughs> yeah, he called it. That's what he basically yeah. called her. Um, she, uh, she, in this case, she is kind of both grandma, best friend, mentor. Uh, fairy him. godmother. Yes, fairy godmother. And she is very excited for him. So Amelia learns that Philip has never seen the original Roman Holiday. He and I are together in that. I've never seen it. Um, Shame. I know, I know. Um, so when he gets a copy after promising he'll watch it, he invites her over to his place to watch it with him. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, yeah, I'll cook for you. Like, don't, It's not a big deal. Like, I'm just going to throw some shit together. Don't worry about it. And then he goes home and makes his landlady teach him how to make homemade ravioli, which is <laughs> very much not like, yeah, no big deal kind of meal because he's clearly trying to impress I like a girl. Help me make food, mom. <laughs> um, and Amelia's like, oh my god, this is the best ravioli I've ever had. It looked good. It did look good. It was a fret. It was the fresh tomatoes. Senora landlady says, mm. <laughs> not the ravioli, but the tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, but that night after the movie, Philip gives Amelia the first seventy-three pages of that book he wrote. Um, he's all like, bound up. Because that's the logical way to oh, of course. do things. I always bind my rough draft. <laughs> <laughs> it, no, it's not even your rough draft. It's the first, uh, let's be nice and say quarter of your rough draft. Sure. It could be a novella. <laughs> um, but anyway, she, she takes it home and she, re well, home to the hotel and she reads it and she loves it and ends up reading parts of it to her butler friend. And they both agree that it must be finished. Um, Philip picks her up for dinner outside of Rome and they go just to kind of hang out, kind of basically a date, but you know, they're still writing together, whatever. And Amelia tells Philip at this point how much she has, is really enjoying his book so far. Yes. So meanwhile... Philip has turned a draft of his article uh, into his editor, uh, but Amelia hasn't seen it yet because um, he, he wasn't actually allowed to give her final say. 
So he's just sort of hoping that she'll be like, yeah, it's good. Mm. And everything will turn out fine. Um, But they keep talking about how it's going to go to print on Tuesday. So they've got a little bit of time for her to be like, yeah, I was happy with it or whatever. But his editor runs into one of the other paparazzi who has figured out who she is and is like, hey, my story, it gets put online in an hour. And his editor is like, well, I have a story. Uh, put it out right now. Yeah. Bitches. So <laughs> the story drops. Yeah. She's like, our exclusive will no longer be exclusive. So she gets it out right away. Yep. Um, when they arrive back at the hotel, Amelia is immediately hounded by all these paparazzi who now know who she is because of these articles dropping. Philip says he's really sorry and he didn't know, which is absolutely true, uh, that the story was going to be dropped. But she is still very mad at him. She feels betrayed. She was like, what? You promised me that I would know what the story was. She goes up to her room, goes to bed, and the next morning she wakes up to find Catherine has flown all the way to Rome to support her in all of her movie star endeavors. Um, she also wants Amelia to know that she's an adult now and Catherine is more than ready to follow her own dreams and Amelia can do what she wants and live her life now. So Amelia is getting ready for her big like debut press conference thing that introduces her to the world even though the story has already broken. Um, and right before she's supposed to like go down to the press conference, which I think must be in the hotel, in the area. Catherine ends up locking Amelia in the bathroom and forcing her to actually read the article because she's like, they're going to ask you about it. You should know what it says. Yeah. <laughs> and so she reads this story that Philip wrote, which is like, a, I mean, we don't get to see it as an audience, but, you know, it's one of those like, this woman is wonderful. Yeah. It's very, it's very flattering. And so she's like, okay, maybe I can forgive him. At the press conference, Philip is there with Senora Landlady and Flowers, hoping Amelia will forgive him and give him another chance. He he asks, um, in true Notting Hill style, um, <laughs> he, he stands up in the middle of the press conference and asks if there's any truth to the rumor that um, the makers of the Roman Holiday remake are considering a change in the ending. Um, they want to make it a happy ending. And uh, the director and Amelia both say that the original ending is perfect, because at the end of Roman Holiday, they don't end up together. Um, Amelia says, it was not meant to be. And so Philip reads that as Amelia telling him that she doesn't want to be with him. And he takes it quite gracefully. He does. I was really concerned it was going to be a like public proposal shit thing. Yeah. And it didn't happen. And you do not know how happy I was about that. <laughs> um, so at the press, after the press conference, Philip and Amelia are alone on the roof where the press conference took place and Amelia is like in like a coy like way is like basically does a what about us and he's like well I thought you said no and she was like no that's not what I was talking about blah blah, blah. and then they kiss because you know one kiss, kiss means forever. forever so that's it yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the movie that is the movie and I'm legitimately torn about this movie because I feel like there are parts of it that I was like on board for and parts of it I'm like really disappointed in. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm also sort of wondering if some of our disappointment stems from the fact that we got a little bit of inside scoops. Maybe. Um, not that, so what, what I'm talking about with inside scoop at this point is that Peter had shared that, um, some of the moments that he remembers being very emotionally like charged or. Yeah. He, he was saying yeah. that it was cut funny. Yeah. Based on what he knows was filmed, which like we don't know, but. Yeah, yeah, he, I agree. He said that he said that parts of the things that were re- really beautiful to him were out then out of context or just cut all together. So it's the whole theme, the whole, the whole movie seemed very stilted and yeah. mishmashed. And I think I'm not sure if I would have felt that way if I didn't know that or not. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. So there's a couple things that I just wanted to touch base on that I've noticed uh, both in this movie and just like just some things that we need to talk about first of all his name is Philip Hamilton and I just thought that was so funny because (laughs) I'm obsessed with theater Mm -hmm. and so I pretty much know every word to Hamilton Philip Hamilton was his son that died and I just like (laughs) That was, I, I'm sure they weren't thinking of that, but that is the first thing I thought of. Well, don't forget this is based on a book, so Ham, so Hallmark did not make this choice. <laughs> that, that's true. So, um, what's her face, which I've already told you. Anita Hughes. Already, yes, Anita Hughes. Come on. Come on, girl. Give him another name. Even if they just called him Phil Hamilton. Ew, who falls in love with a Phil? <laughs> okay, so that was just one of the ridiculous things. The other thing... Um, which I said while we were watching the movie, and I think we all cracked up at, was that Peter Porta is playing a porter, and I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, especially because they made that joke because he's both a porter and a reporter. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, Peter Porta, the reporter and porter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and one thing that always bothers me in all of these movies, and basically all movies in general, Everybody calls people on their cell phones. And I know that doesn't sound like a weird thing, but they're calling them from foreign countries. What are the roaming charges? I'm sorry, the roaming Roman charges? Yes, the the Roman roaming charges. Like, I was so angry. It was like, you don't have money for this yet. Like, you're not alone in the slot. You do not have an international plan. We know this. Like, I, I was just very, like, distracted by that in the weirdest way. And, like, I guess it's weird because I was um, I was watching the new Four Weddings and a Funeral recently, and there's a, a rich lady, and she was like, I was trying to contact you on that stupid WhatsApp you made me download, and I was like, yes, an American would make you download WhatsApp so that you could contact them. The funny thing is, I was just about to say, <laughs> you can make calls on WhatsApp. You can. You can. That's true. So you, she could be Maybe she's doing sister. that. I, I don't know. I just yeah. wish they told me that. <laughs> There's I, way too much information that they didn't even tell you that were that was pertaining to the actual story. Don't you know we need 35 minutes of commercials? <laughs> uh, okay, so another thing I really wanted to talk about is, so he, like we know he's not really writing at the beginning of this. Like he's trying, and then he's he's talking to his landlady and his and uh, his landlady says. You're my favorite writer. And I love that you just turned to me and went, you're my favorite customer. Hi, Hi Dougie. Because <laughs> that's exactly what I thought, too. 
which is such a stupid, stupid reference for those of you who have never seen The Room, but oh my god. <laughs> that was how she said it. Like, you're my favorite writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It was just like, but you're not writing any, how, uh, really frustrating. It was, no, it was great. Um, and somebody else mentioned this, uh, while we were watching it, but when she's left in the bathroom to read the story, which we have been led to believe dropped online, it is a print magazine yeah. the size of Vogue. It's huge. <laughs> and she's on the cover. <laughs> yes. Which is, what? <laughs> yeah. So we're like, okay, run the presses immediately so we can like very, like fairy godmother magic wand this magazine into existence. <laughs> so weird. With ads. I know. It was very strange. So, yes. Cool. Th- that's what I wanted to touch on. I'm glad. <laughs> um... Segments? Segments. Hallmark, Hallmark. Yes, I have a bunch. Do you? Yeah. I only ha- I only put two. Okay, well then why don't you go? Okay, so we, my Hallmark, Hallmark is the you, you moment because they've already met and then they re-meet again when they, when she recognizes him as reporter and she, um, so that I was very, very tropey. Um, and I'm calling this the local color dinner for outsider. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so when, when somebody is in like a foreign land or a different place and they somehow magically get invited to this big, like exciting group dinner, like they did in Italy. Um, and it's, it's very rustic and whatever. Um, that is, I have romantic. that listed as, as a trope as invited by randos to dinner. <laughs> yes. Same, same thing for sure. Okay, so a lot of my homework comments are sort of related in that she is not following her dreams mm. initially, um, and she's sort of like a small town girl going to a big city. It's sort of that idea. I'll take it. Um, and there's a blocked writer who like doesn't who's like looking for the story and having trouble. Okay, done. They eat ice cream. Yes. Oh, gelato. Gelato. Yes, it's gelato. But it's like they go and like have like a discuss, like a, a walking, talking discussion while eating ice cream. Yes. Um, there is also a secret magical old man in this movie, who is the, the butler but- friend. Yeah, the butler friend. Yeah, you're right. He's like weirdly like there. I feel like Senora Landlady is also slightly... Yeah. They split that. They do split that a little bit. But yes, they're both sort of that. And the one I think that was like the biggest for me is the just refusing to read the story that that one wrote about the other that's actually flattering and just being mad that the story exists. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we do see that sometimes. Yeah. Where it's like, I can't believe he said something about it. Well, did you actually read it? No. <laughs> Right, and then actually you read it and you're like, oh, it's so sweet. <laughs> he lovers me. <laughs> Wouldn't it be lovely? Uh, I remember you saying you didn't have any pretty parades. No. Though except we did... for the city of Rome. Yes, the, the setting was gorgeous yeah. because Rome is beautiful. Um, though I do feel like now, it being about 24 hours later, and us having done research... Knowing that she was about four months pregnant while filming this movie changes some things for me. 
Really? Not, like, drastically, but now I'm like, okay, maybe I won't give her a hard time with the clothes that I didn't feel like fit her well. There we go. Okay. Because, like, I, I wasn't, didn't I say kind of early on in the movie, I'm like, oh, she yeah, might be did. pregnant. And, and everyone was like, no, that's not a pregnant belly. And it was very well hidden. Yeah, I it will, really, really it, was. Like, I, I did not see it. But now that we know that that was the case... Maybe the... maybe it's okay. <laughs> um, so I had two pretty parades I told you about. Um, so there is with the with the first look that she has when she's sightseeing with um, Philip. Um, you almost called him Peter. I, I just almost called that. him Peter. <laughs> well, for the first half of my notes, I forgot his. He didn't have a name for a while, and so he, <laughs> like the first half of my notes just call him Peter. <laughs> Anyway, um, the first, her first look while she's sightseeing with Peter Philip is um, this really cute little blue shirt that's off the shoulder and a little rush, ruched, ruched, ruffled. Ruffled, yeah. Um, it's a little ruffled on the top and it has like little straps. But she, it, it looks so sweet and very, like, she's got a beautiful, like, She's a beautiful woman, um, yeah. Italia Ricci, but she's got the cutest little shoulders, like a petite little woman. It just made her look so elegant and delicate and exactly what the character needed at that moment. So I thought it was a really good choice and flouncy enough to hide the baby bump. Yeah. Um, and yeah. my other thing is because this is Italy, I, I look at the espresso cups and teacups and things like that. Um, and the espresso cups that Signora Landlady have were really cool. They were like these white cups with these really weird impressionistic but also abstract like eyes and flowers and stuff i really coveted them i want them in my house <laughs> yeah so new and noteworthy did you have anything my only <laughs> you proved me wrong with my new and noteworthy my new, new and noteworthy was not too many tropes <laughs> which is not true no. so my new and noteworthy was that this one was actually filmed on location which it's not. This is not the first time we've ever seen it, but because so many of them are clearly Canada, that's true. I was sort of in. I was like, "Hey, cool! They went to Rome." But Good for I them. Will, I will say that they're like the one that they filmed in Paris was definitely in Paris. Yeah. The one they filmed in Brussels was definitely in Brussels. Yeah, I mean they're doing it. Yeah. But. I bet I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, like like. like it, I like that this was Rome in Rome and not, you know, Vancouver as Rome. <laughs> or some, you know. Rome was Rome. Rome. Rome played itself. You know, the great Vancouver Trevi Fountain. <laughs> God, can you even go to the Trevi Fountain? They must really film a gazillion things there every day. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been. I've never been to Rome either. Let's go right now. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. Across the universe. Across the universe. I had one that's, it's a, it's a reach. Okay. But I, I took it anyway. All right. All right. So, Peter was in this movie called A Cinderella Christmas. The lead in that, his female co-star, was in a movie called Hollywood Dirt, which is a very similar premise to this movie, which was also based on a book, also about an unknown actress being cast as the lead in a movie. Mm. It was, like, not, like, a search for her kind of deal. It was sort of, like, they stumbled upon her deal. But 
it was a like the love story starring the unknown lead in this movie. Mm. Um, granted, she fell in love with the co-star and not the reporter, but there was a, I think what really clinched it for me was there was also an entire scene about like how to deal with press in that movie. Oh. <laughs> and so I just thought that was kind of fun. Anyway. Um, I guess there's one across the universe that on that note that I feel like I should mention considering you haven't seen Roman Holiday. Yeah. Because this movie is Roman Holiday. Right. So, like, you know, because Gregory Peck is a writer and he's trying to get the scoop on the princess and he's not supposed to know that she's the princess. And, but she's like, and so Amelia's character is playing the princess, but she kind of wants to, like, not be a part of the crowd yet. Yeah. So it's basically the same story as Roman Holiday, which I like. Anyway. Yeah. That's Except it ends better. Or not better, but ends happier. Sure. It ends Hallmark, as I will yeah. say that. Yeah. Because I love the ending to Roman Holiday. It's yeah. real. You know, none of these Hallmark loves are real. <laughs> as much as we want them to be. Um, one of the, my last across the universe is the, there was in the background at their Italian studio, you can see a poster, which is very much a Love Actually poster, but like it's in that. Like the whole, it looks like the Love Actually poster, yeah, it really but does. it has very different people on it. <laughs> it is not the English cast. It's very different things. And I was just kind of thinking about all the Hallmark Christmas movies, and it was yeah. a very strange thing to have in the background. Yeah, I was surprised that that was there too. I was like, what is this? <sighs> so, yeah. Supporting shout outs. I have a couple. Me too. Go ahead. Okay. I think the first one that we should talk about is Dante the Cat. I love him. Is he adoptable? He's the sweetest little kitty. <laughs> he's such a good boy. He's always next to... He's so snuggly. He's so snuggly. He's always next to Philip, just doing his job as a cat. Do you hear me, Persephone? He's doing his job. <laughs> My cat is ignoring us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and mine is mad at me for taking him to the vet yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> What's your next supporting shout-out? Um, his landlady bestie person who just, like, I just... I thought she was adorable. I thought she was hysterical. Where she just, her lines were crazy. Can I say, <laughs> the, the one that she said after she reads this article, so much beauty, so much tragedy, so much love. <laughs> like, they're just, it's like, what are you talking about? When I, when I am an old landlady, I hope to be as, like, charmingly dotty as she is. <laughs> right, and, like, she's, Always gardening. Why not? Well, not were there enough plants to always be gardening? I feel like when you're retired, you should always be gardening. I don't know. Well, is she is she also like I I couldn't figure it out because I couldn't remember, but I feel like there is a Hallmark movie where the, uh, they talk about like this flower means this and this flower means that, and I can't remember what it is. And if you remember, feel free to write in and tell me. Yeah. Um, but, like, he kept going to her being like, what flower means this? So that I can give it to her and she'll be, ne- it'd be better. Like, you like, know, like, th- which flower means forgiveness? Which flower means, like, good luck? Good luck yeah. You know? <laughs> it was very sweet. Yeah. It was almost like a little witch about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also wrote down the the AD of the film. Who yeah, was just, who was the therapist. Yeah, she was, like, AD slash therapist slash, like, uh, 
support for um, yeah. Amelia because she said something really lovely to Amelia. There was a moment where the director kind of says to Amelia, your, your job in this film, your job in this film is actually kind of like dumb. We don't really need, we needed an unknown because the guy playing the Gregory Peck character really wanted to be the lead. So the fact that your cast is kind of like a moot, it doesn't, you don't, yeah. you don't matter basically. And um, Amelia kind of feels bad about talking to him about that because she feels really like out of place. And the AD says to her, we should never apologize for wanting our work to be respected. Yeah. And I love yeah, that. There was a, there was a bit of a like feminist bent there also i will say i was really surprised because later in the movie the director takes her out for like espresso or something and is like you're right i apologize did not see that coming yeah that was great (laughs) it's like jk you are important you're right yeah um i had an anti-supporting shout out uh the sister yes She was terrible. I hate to say this about anyone who is cast in any sort of movie or like, you know, live your dream, baby. Baby, dream your dream. But Catherine was a cyborg. I call her cyborg sister because she talked like this and everything. She never blinks and maybe you should be following your dreams. Yeah, we got to a point where we started counting how many times she blinked. I think we got to two and a half. (laughs) In like a full on monologue. (laughs) Oh my God, Amelia, everything that you do is so wonderful and you should absolutely go for everything. Yeah, why didn't you tell me about this? And you absolutely should do this. You're definitely going to get the job. You're the best. (laughs) Thank Uh, you, Cyborg Sister, for providing me with laughs. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I had. Yes. Oh. So, kiss meter? I think you should go first. Okay. So, I wasn't totally into the kiss. Wasn't quite feeling it. And then... One of the people next to me on our couch goes, and they're in love. And it just <laughs> bumped up the kiss for me so much. And I realized that has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> and that anybody else watching the movie would not have that necessarily in their in their head. But just the way it was said and the timing of that made it a seven for me. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> So I actually, the funny thing about me and my kiss meter is the, the, the fact, the sheer fact that they got together at all for me was such a, almost a surprise. I know this is a Hallmark movie. They're going to end up together, but like there was really no, there was not so much of a journey of falling in love for me. I don't really, I don't really think that I saw that. I I saw them become friends. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they kissed was kind of like okay, here it is. It's like because it has to happen. So I was just kind of looking at the kiss itself. And to me, I gave it a nine because um, I love it when people kiss for a little while and then they look at each other and then they go back in for the kiss. And it looked very sweet. I think that um, Italia Ricci and Peter Porte like probably liked each other as people. So they were probably having fun. Um, And then like they also have the city of Rome as a backdrop, so that was great. Yeah. Um, so that, that was me. Um, Hannah, would you watch this? I think I'm landing towards the yes column. I don't think it's one of those, like, it's definitely not landing on the, like, I would just rewatch this all the time. Which sometimes they do, and so, like there are the ones where you're just like, I don't know what it is about this movie, but like, I could rewatch it. I, I just loved it. It's not landing there for me, mm. 
but I, it is not, it was not painful to watch. It was like sort of fun and there were legitimate points where I was like, these people seem kind of real. Yeah. Um, so rather than me saying that like, I want to rewatch this or anything like that, I think this is not a bad one to put on your to watch list. Great. Um, I said, sure. I kind of wish that I could see the director's cut to see what was not what I didn't see. Cause yeah. I, I do feel like there were so many, even plot points that were probably scrubbed over for the sake of time. I would definitely have this on it. The, the whole movie read to me sort of like, um, that Ethan Hawke, Julie Delpy kind of series where it was yeah. just kind of two people talking and getting to yeah. know each other. And that was really sweet. And yeah. I, that's what I felt. And I think it was fun. And Rome is beautiful. And the people I was watching were beautiful to look at. So <laughs> done. Done. Gonna watch it. Yay. Sorely lacking in chandeliers though. So Rome, <laughs> get your shit together. Get more chandeliers, Rome. <laughs> Be France, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> So that was Roman Love. Uh, th- this is when Kiss Means Forever. Um, yeah. Be sure to follow us on all of the things. Yep. We have, we, I think, I mean, we have the ones that old people have for sure. Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. If yeah. there's if there's newer ones, we don't know about them. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of, it, when you do those, one and four are numerals. If you want to email us at one kiss means forever at Gmail. Um, those are the words spelled out, and it's F O R E V E R, like not F O U R, just in case yeah. there was any confusion there. Forever. Uh, yeah. Um, and thanks to Flint Pastors for our intro outro music. And we will see you guys, or be in your ears for you guys. I don't know how that's supposed to work at all. That's weird sounding. We're going to be coming at you in a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Maybe. The muse touched him and her name was Amelia. Maybe it touched his bees. No, it's a Hallmark <laughs> movie.